Drink your Kool-Aid. It's not Kool-Aid. It's a Skittles pack. You're drinking Skittles? It's Skittles water flavoring. Skittles water? Gross. It's, uh, it's really good. That sounds gross. You should try it. No, I'm good. You say it's really gross. Mm-hmm. Judge, you should try it. I don't like Skittles. Nope. Wow. Never liked them. Wow. M&Ms are a barely. Wow. You know, I'm trying to stay slim, so I choose to... Wow. You know, not, like not Skittles. partake. Wow. I don't like Skittles. I've never, I don't like sour that. things. It's just self-incrimination. <laughs> I don't know why it's incriminating. It's very incriminating. Why is it? In, what what crime is now, committed? You can't deny now that you were here. I mean, you've taken this to another level. <laughs> doesn't like cheers with wheels on it. doesn't like Skittles. It's, uh, yeah, I candy do you eat? I usually don't eat candy, but if I do, it's Reese's. Like, like the dark chocolate Reese's peanut butter cups. Are we ready? We're good? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what that face was. Are we good? So disgusted. It is. It's disgusting. Really? I mean, yeah. I like that it. That whole... The dark chocolate one? Have you had that dark chocolate one? As soon as you say Reese's, that's just nasty. Why do well, you, you have the like peanut butter and chocolate? Not, not like the big ones, but like the thin ones. You don't need to put peanut butter and chocolate. Chocolate's fine just by itself. Says the man disgusting. drinking Skittle juice. And well, he yeah, it's why water he, with Skittle juice. He wonders why he has diabetes. It's really good. It's really good stuff. Oh, it's sugar-free, by the way. No, it's um, not. Yeah, it is. That's a lie. It is. It is. It's sugar-free. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, they just take out That's the sugar. That's why it's got the worst, like, aftertaste. Take out aftertaste. the sugar and substitute cancer. It's got the worst taste to it. But it's at least a taste. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, you know, poop has a taste. Just because it's a taste doesn't mean it's good. It's got a, got a taste to it. All right. Are we ready? Yeah. Welcome to the Lojo Show. I am your host, Loverture Jones. I am the founder and managing partner at BlackRock Engineering and Technology. I have over 22 years of cybersecurity experience, and I am honored to be able to bring some of that experience to you. Today, we are going to talk about physical versus virtual security. Let me say that one more time. The virtual. Today, we are going to talk about physical versus virtual security. Stuttered again. Still stuttered. Today, we are going to talk about physical versus virtual security. I'm just going to leave this whole thing in there. <laughs> I am joined today <laughs> by my executive producer, uh, Brett Asperger. Wow. We have some exciting announcements at the end of the episode, so be sure to stick around. You're joined right. here today by your sugar-free oh, you Skittle water. Oh, sugar-free Skittle water. Yeah. You're drinking the ice cubes with the... Uh, I eat the ice cream. It's terrible for your teeth. It's filled with water. But the ice part, you're chew- chewing the ice is bad for your My teeth. teeth are fine. They've been around for years. They That's work well. That's true. That's true. Thousands and thousands of years. I'm 43 years old and I still have all my original teeth. Yay. That's pretty good, actually. That's not bad, huh? Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. So our topic of the week. Today we're going to talk about physical versus virtual security. All right. So I'm going to take this paper back. Yeah, you got to take that back. All right, so we're going to start, I'm going to break down with a couple questions. So how does, like, first just, like, give us an overview. What is physical versus virtual security? So even in the domains of security and stuff, physical security was really one of the first ones, right? It's the first area of security, right? Gates, guards, right, people, 
um, how they physically obtain access to both information as well as areas they should not be in, and then how do you stop that, right? How do you prevent that? Or even how do you manage that, right? Um, physical security in general, when we look at now things like our critical, you know, our critical infrastructure, physical security is a big part of that. I mean, there's whole complete um, security frameworks that are built in order to really address the physical security concerns. Uh, in particular, physical security has to deal with um, really kind of the most rudimentary part of security, right? And that is where you have a critical process or critical assets, um, how do you protect that from those who do not need access to it, from those who would like to uh, obtain access to those critical things because they may be dangerous, maybe dangerous materials, it could be dangerous information, uh, it could be dangerous processes as well, right? So one of the... Um, probably one of the most uh, vulnerable areas of our security in the U.S. is when we talk about our um, you know, bulk power generation and stuff too, right? So when you go to a utility or that you go to a power plant or anywhere like that, you'll find that physical security is a huge priority. Physical security and safety <laughs> are some of the biggest priorities there. And it is because of the things that you're moving around, the materials you're working with, the critical processes, and what it means if that factory or, excuse me, if that um, utility or if that location or so uh, is compromised uh, in any way from a process standpoint, stolen information, or worse yet, interruption in its critical processes and services that it provides uh, as far as like transmission, distribution, or excuse me, generation, transmission, distribution. Uh, if any of those things from physical security are uh, either interrupted or stopped, then that stops the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. And again, it is dealing with how do you work with the physical threat and the physical environment around you. You know, different buildings and stuff that you see are built and they have all these different hardscapes and stuff too that are there. Well, physical security is actually in part of planning of that. One of the things that you do to prevent, let's say, a car from running off the road and running into a large building or high rise that has critical, that has both people in it as well as critical information and processes and business in there is to put physical barriers and stuff around those buildings so that you can stop those types of attacks or you can stop those types of instances. It doesn't mean that every time you think of a physical security that you're thinking of a terrorist act, it is indeed thinking about security in depth, right? And that is one, being able to secure what you have in between guards, gates, locks, doors, walls, <laughs> all those things, because you got to protect it from both uh, human threats as well as for environmental threats, right? Or natural threats. Right? And so taking that into account is really the fundamental, fundamentally really the beginning, right? Just as we hold our cell phone, right? Vast majority of cell phone claims are not cybersecurity. Vast majority is I've taken my phone, I don't have a case on it, I've dropped it, I've broken it. How would I secure this cell phone? Well, what would the physical security say? Buy an OtterBox, right? <laughs> Put it in an OtterBox, that'll protect it from when it falls on the ground or something and doesn't break, right? So these are some of the things that you want to take into account um, when you talk about physical security. Now, virtual security in this case, right, is where you begin really the process of how do you protect your data in a virtual environment, right? There is some cross-section there. We use virtual um, uh, entry systems and stuff now as far as for being able to secure physical doors, physical locks and stuff. So a lot of places you show up, they give you an access card or some type of uh, common access card or so for you to swipe and then get into the building, right? When you swipe, it has a database that shows, yes, this is Jonathan Logan. Uh, he is a very, 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 very small threat. Uh, also, is a very, wow. very, very, 
very, very small value to this organization, but he is important, just like everybody else. And wow. he's allowed to have access in there, wow. right? So it hurtful. tells you, right, that over that overlap there where you're using virtual security to bulk up your physical security is there because, again, being able to, one, uh, prevent access, two, manage access, three, be able to monitor access is important. And so physical security and virtual security do work in concert with that. Virtual security also begins to get more so into more of our cybersecurity realm that we think of from a, from a more of a traditional cybersecurity standpoint. And that is, you know, we're using computers, we're using cell phones, we're using different technologies and applications to really provide security for our information, for our personal uh, well-being, uh, as well as for the protection of either my organization or critical processes from there. Uh, and that could be in, again, the software that you use for it, um, you have things like uh, intrusion, you know, intrusion detection systems and stuff too that you're putting in place. You know, these are by far, yes, physical security means, but it's being provided through virtual security capabilities. Mm. That was so, really nice and long. Huh? Nice long answer. Well, you know, you got to be thorough. You can't just stop short because you know how cybersecurity people are. That's true. Yeah. You know, what well, about I this? I put in a VPN. What I'm about good. That? Everything's secure now. You know, what yeah. about this? What about that? No, VPN's not that secure. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, so what physical security should a cybersecurity conscious organization have? Like, granted, there's going to be different needs for different organizations in what you do. And you already mentioned, like, uh, energy, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, what, let's say in a commercial market, um, someone like, let me think of somebody. I thought of Lockheed Martin, but they do DOD work. Um, no, that's still commercial, right? Okay. In their business facilities or whichever, you know, a large, let's say an art, large aerospace and defense company that has a good bit of, you know, a good bit of, let's say, sensitive information and stuff from there. Yeah, it is a big target, right? So when you look at um, locations and stuff like that, you know, these organizations have things like roaming guards, right? That means you have a security organization that is supporting folks like security personnel that are going around the hallway, the hallway, they're at the gates and stuff, they're reviewing, they're seeing, they're seeing what's going on on closed circuit TV, right? Or monitoring through, you know, other means that way. And then also in some cases now you have some of these organizations that have uh, gone a step further where they have roving robots and stuff within the facilities that are doing uh, monitoring and stuff too and seeing that uh, all things are okay as far as on the people that are entering, what people are doing, where they are, where they're located, and being able to report back. Um, so security goes to a depth. So if I'm, you know, I kind of, I, I like to use this comparison. If I have $5, I'm not going to buy a $2,000 pocketbook to protect it. Right? It doesn't sense, really... Yeah doesn't really matter it doesn't really <laughs> make any sense right, right. Um, because what's needed is is what's needed is just you know just a, a little bit of protection for that it's five dollars mm -hmm. right whereas um, if I have if I know I have critical information if I know that I have maybe let's say very sensitive um, intellectual property that I need to protect say I'm a tech company I've got sensitive intellectual property. I haven't yet gotten a patent on it yet, right? right? So I don't want that information released. I don't want that out there. And the value of that information could be billions for my organization, right? So if I said, hey, in 2002, guess what? I got the 
really the release or the information as far as on the specs for you know iPhone 2 <laughs> right in 2002 <laughs> well guess what I'm living pretty I'm sitting pretty so in that case yeah I probably need to go a bit step further um, I have to go a step further in my security of that type of information and it's not that I'm just walking around with you know let's say my sheet of paper with my social security number on it it's different now because now it gets translated into business value which then gets uh, translate it into wealth for those who have ownership in that company and have a, um, you know, have an interest there. And then, you know, three, the, the well-being and stuff of that and your ability to compete. So these are things that are important for the organization and there's a value that's been established for that. So therefore, now if I say that this is a $2 billion type of thing for my company, then, okay, it's okay if I spend, you know, $20 million to protect that. Right. Right? And so being able to scale and... Uh, being able to scale appropriately um, from a security standpoint, both from what I do for physical security and what I do for virtual security that helps and support or um, augments that security so that I have automation and stuff in there, um, that's going to be driven by what is it that you're trying to protect. Makes sense. So with physical and virtual security, there seems to be a lot of, um, like how you approach it is very similar because you have like a walls around a castle and then you have a firewall around your networks. You know, you have an intrusion detection system and then you have, let's say, you know, you have roving guards that are watching for threats. Mm -hmm. What do you, like, what other uh, parallels can you think of and why do you think that is? Um, so physical security s still definitely takes on and manifests itself in a traditional sense, right? Moats and castles and locks and doors and... You know, somebody that can monitor that or closed circuit TV or, um, you know, other monitoring stations, intrusion detection systems, right? So that is the quintessential castle protection, right? Um, so where you draw parallels on it is, yes, in your networks and those types of things as far as your traditional campus network and stuff. Yeah, you're still kind of doing that. I will say that there is a little bit of a divergence from that um, these days because of the way that we do things like edge computing, um, where it's not necessarily drawing a, you know, a, a large fence around it with a moat and stuff there. Nowadays, it's gotten to be a little bit more, um, let's say, user-friendly. So now the concentration is making sure that you're secure, but that you're highly available, right? Mm -hmm. um, because here's the thing, half the services that we use now, including the apps that are on our phones and stuff, it's not really a guards and gates thing. Everything is tied to your to who you are and what you are, right? And what you have, right? Whereas guards and gates are, this is mine, and I'll determine who gets to have access to it from a guard and gate standpoint, right? Um, so there is some divergence between physical and virtual now. Virtual security is moving to really putting the the security uh, to the endpoint, right? And assigning to the endpoint and doing, hey, who is it? What is it they need access to? And how should we provide that access in the best way possible? That's what you're asking yourself now, more so in the virtual world, right? Mm -hmm. And that's creating really that kind of that zero trust networking and that zero trust type of security environment now. That's what folks are moving to. Um, whereas still for physical security, it's who are they? Do they need access? Yes, okay. Or no, right? It's a bit more, it's a bit more, uh, bullion in that case right mm. are they on the list yes are they not no did we give them a key yes do they really need access maybe no <laughs> right? right 
Um, a little more cut and dry. Yeah, it's a little bit more cut and dry, yeah. right? It's a little more like, okay, let down the gate, let them in, right? Put the gate back up, and now we got security again, all right? So physically, yes, it still works a lot that way, right? Virtually, you can augment that physical model with some of the virtual, where it's, okay, this person has a profile that's set up for the organization. They need access to our facility in California and access to the facility in Oregon, but they don't need to have access to the facility in New York, right? So nowadays we build profiles for these people and then access rights for them that span geographic areas, that span their need to know, mm -hmm. and now that's being incorporated into that virtual world. So now virtual can now send down and service the physical. It's right? kind of like least privilege, mm -hmm. right? Like. You don't need access to this room, but you need access to this room. So you're not going to get the code for that one, and you're going to get the code for that one. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Got least privilege or need to know, right? Yeah. Uh, that's there as well, right? <laughs> so uh, obviously this person in California doesn't have a need to know of what's going on in our manufacturing facility over in uh, over in Florida. Right. right. Do we have manufacturing? Well, I guess we, yeah, we have some. Florida has manufacturing. manufacturing. Yep. Yeah, I was like, I haven't seen a plant. We're Florida. Like, no, we I've seen everything. a million plants. We have everything. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Including... Mosquitoes the size of your hand. Yeah, they're okay, though. Ugh. Mosquitoes are okay? Yeah, they're easy to get rid of. Yeah, you smack them after they sucked a pint of your blood out. Well, I mean, why would you need to smack them if you just put some of the latest and greatest mosquito catchers out there? They're pretty good. I don't know. For me, if I go outside past 4 p.m., I get eaten. Like, my legs will look like I got leprosy or something. One of these days awful. when you embrace te technology, that will stop. <laughs> but until you embrace technology in a friendly way, that's not that's, that's, I that's do just going to keep happening. I do embrace technology. I use DEET spray. Yeah. <laughs> that's high tech, buddy. Let's spray some film on my, <laughs> my skin. That's probably bad for your skin. <laughs> We're all going to die some way. I'd rather not die from Zika virus. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so... Um, with physical security and cybersecurity, there's kind of this um, marrying of the two in uh, physical penetration testing, mm -hmm. right? Have you ever done any physical penetration testing? I have. Tell us about that. So uh, back in the early 2000s, um, basically what you would do is you'd have red teams, and part of the red team and operational security um, uh, operational security testing and stuff that you would do is to look and see how you can break into different facilities and buildings on bases. And so in that sense, um, things like where we use man traps and stuff and we try to piggyback through man traps and stuff with people, uh, basically trying to overwhelm physical security. Other places it'd be hey, trying to get a hold of an access card or so where, hey, we might already have access or we may be able to obtain access to that, to that card outside of the base, right? Go to some of the local you know, restaurants or whichever, right? People may have that badge and stuff there and be able to actually get those badges and do physical security testing and stuff from that. So again, it's still in the credential that says allows you to get through the gate, right? Right. What's the passcode? What's the word stuff for that? Uh, and then better yet, physical security to let's say data centers back then, that was probably the important part is uh, if you have access to a server, physical access, then typically you, are, you have virtual access to it as well. Mm -hmm. If you can physically get the machine, normally you can virtually compromise it and get whatever information is out of it. Okay, And it's just because you have physical access to it. You can now manipulate it in physical ways that allows you virtual access to it. Right. Right. Um, 
one of the important things that you do for that is that, hey, I know that this facility here is as secure as possible and basically would probably score 92, excuse me, 92 out of 100. But if that 8% does happen, you know, virtually, I would say now you gotta make sure that you, you know, uh, encrypt the hard drives, right? Therefore, you would also have to get credentials into the machine itself, mm -hmm. right? And so that's why a lot of times when we do hardening and stuff here that we take out the physical root, root account, right, of the, uh, of the device. We don't right. allow anybody to have root access to the device, right? Root access is then governed by, let's say, AD, right, or by uh, whichever management system that we have on it, Linux management system or whichever from there as far as access to the device and able to get into, let's say, the BIOS. We'll close down the BIOS and be like, hey, you can't get in the BIOS, change the password for that, and now you've locked down where and how you can get access to the BIOS. That's how those two things kind of play together, mm -hmm. right? Um, again, you have to assume that if somebody has physical access to something, they can get in it and they can compromise the information that's in it. Therefore, you can use virtual means to do that. And again, um, using entry systems and stuff too that allow uh, access for those individuals, then you have to monitor it because like I said, if somebody gets a key card and then you verify that, hey, this really is not the person <laughs> that that key card says it is, you gotta be able to identify that. You gotta be able to see that. Right. If this person works in New York, but somehow magically, woo, they're in California, you're going, hmm, that probably shouldn't happen. Right. Right. They may have access to it, but actually they're in California. So being able to have those that type of monitoring is a good thing. And here's one of the cool things now, right? Is that um, you have you have organizations out there now that have that ability to sift through that type of information and make uh, decisions based on behavioral and uh, behavioral analysis, right? Where from a behavior standpoint, um, you know you can see that hey, this person somehow has been basically two places at one time. Now you can go ahead and lock access for that person of, hey, we have a, you know, we have an anomaly here that doesn't really match. Mm -hmm. So now you can investigate that, All right? So those were, that's where virtual and physical again come together. Right, so you said that you have done physical pen testing. Can you mm -hmm. tell us any of those stories or like what you did or not really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's plenty of them, right? And some of the installations, one of the things we would do is that we get on the base or whichever, uh, one team member would actually get into the facility. That team member would then leave a window open or so for us, and then we'd climb through the window, and we'd uh, go to some of the PCs and stuff, too, that are in offices and get as much information as we could, right? Look up under the, <laughs> look up under the keyboard and all that, right? Uh, in other situations, uh, we had where we were able to get ourselves past the gates and guards, Right, and so in you know a lot of cases it'd be hey we'll ride in the car whichever with them or ride in the car with somebody that may have access and stuff from that they don't check our IDs, we get in and then basically we would show up at, uh, at the data centers in that case and just again piggyback ride our way into there and then have an actual laptop that had a prompt on it and we'd go around and ask questions of hey look we've come here to audit you uh, would you mind typing in your password and <laughs> username and password. And really, all we're doing is just catching credentials, right? Right. Would but that's how that. Type in the oh my gosh! Password? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. If you, yeah, they they would. And then basically after that, we would then again update the courseware and stuff to say, hey, look, if somebody just comes in and they're locked up and say, hey, type in your credentials, don't do it. Right. right? <laughs> it sounds silly and stupid, but when people are under the stress of their day to day job, mm -hmm. and you say you have an audit, right? Ears perk up, and they want to comply. And so 
they would comply, you know, in that case, and you would get that information. But you're using just what regular human behavior uh, is doing, mm-hmm. you know, what, what regular behavior is, right? You'd say, hey, I'm from DCA or something like that, right? I'm here to audit such and such, right? Well, you know, DCA doesn't audit that, but you're saying trigger words in people's minds. Right. So right. Kind of scares them. Yeah, so like, oh, oh, I better, I better be on my P's and Q's, right? right. So, yeah, so it's, uh, it's that type of testing and stuff that we did. Do you have like a, like a favorite, favorite one you ever did or any crazy stories? Like uh, I have a favorite one when I got caught. Yeah? Yeah, I have a favorite one when I got caught. Okay. Um, I was in a beautiful town on the West Coast uh, that has a very large uh, military installation there. And um, I was trying to get my way through the window of the facility, and you felt a you felt a gun being pressed against your backside. <laughs> and uh, in that, we usually had a trusted agent that was in, uh, that was in the uh, Terry. So you, you immediately stop what you're doing. Op is over in that case. And you uh, begin to give the information as far as on who your white cell person was and who what their number is and for them to call that number and stuff there. Mm-hmm. But it still does uh, catch you off guard when you got that, you have that gun against your back. <laughs> So did they detain you and then go through the whole process? Yeah, you're detained and you, you st- and you stand there and, you know, as they go and confirm things, that white cell person will be available during that time and they'll, you know, vouch and verify you, your information, who you are, what you're doing while you're there. Mm-hmm. And you usually had, you usually had information on you, mm-hmm. let me tell you, that would, that would also provide that information to them. I would swear I'm not a bad guy. So, I'm doing this for your own good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, most of them know, too, that, that there are people who are trying to do that, too, to test them as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, as long as there's good communication, nobody gets shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I listen to uh, Darknet Diaries. Have you ever listened to any of their stuff? Uh, that, sounds, that sounds really... It's a podcast. Yeah, it's the cybersecurity yeah. stuff. Anyway, they're the cool <laughs> version of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but he was interviewing this guy who did physical penetration testing. Mm. And he had some... He, had, he did it a couple times, and... Uh, in one of the instances, they didn't communicate to the base that they were doing this test, mm-hmm. and they kind of roughed up the guy and dislocated his shoulders and all yep. kinds of gnarly stuff. That could definitely happen. That's uh, that's called poor administration. Yeah, we had very good administration. When I did <laughs> that's that, good because that is the exact issue that you did not want to happen, mm-hmm. right? Where that could you know just really quickly go in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know? um, but it was, you know, it was very organized. We had our own uh, building in a building. Uh, we had folks in there that were building our tools and stuff, too, as far as to do, like, our virtual tools mm. uh, to get in. We had folks that were planning, you know, from an ops standpoint, getting an idea of the behavior of, you know, both security as well as personnel that were in there. And then once we got in, how do you actually approach folks, right? Right. You know, on it. And it was such a matter-of-fact approach. Like, the training itself was really just... Everything was just matter of fact, right? It's uh, hey, give me your number. Write the number down, right? And people just automatically like so. If you like, hey, give me the number, right? Eight five eight, and they'd finish the number for you, right? Mm. Whose phone number they're doing, right? What's your employee number? Five two four, and they complete it for you. Wow. Right. So it's a trigger where you just you know people don't realize they're going to do that, but they do it. Right, they'll give away all that information and wouldn't even realize it. It's just little triggers uh, that you that you use for that. I got to admit, I would have loved to have seen you try and crawl through some windows. Yeah, 
What you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. Um, so I think that's all for today. So I'll let you close this out, and then I'll do some quick announcements. All right. That's all for this episode of The Lojo Show. We discuss the ins and outs of physical and virtual cybersecurity. Let us know what you think of Season 2. And if you want to be on the show, you can leave a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube pages. Or you can send us an email at officiallojoshow at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. So I'm going to do the announcements now so I can talk a little Don't bit. Don't you have your copy? That's my copy. No, I only made one copy. I thought you made two copies. No, this is four different episodes here. Oh. Yeah. All right, so we got a new microphone for Lojo. So hopefully it, it's better. Yeah, you're supposed the, to jump in with that. Yeah, well, we did. We got a new mic for Lojo. Um, the main uh, complaint we had from our listeners was that Lojo was too quiet. So we got him a new mic. He's a very animated speaker. So we're hoping that this mic will be more adept to his conversational style of podcasting. I have a feeling that was Jonathan Luda who just kept putting that same comment out there <laughs> just so that he can get a new mic. But that's nor here nor there. Huh. All right. Also, we have an ep- a collaboration episode with Darren Mott from the Cyber Guy podcast. We're very excited to uh, have this collaboration episode with him. Uh, we'll let you know more uh, when that comes out. You can check our social media for updates. And uh, we'll let Lovitcher say our last, his little tagline, now that he's eating a pear. Chew faster, chew faster, chew faster. With that, we will say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Stay safe and stay secure.